turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Well, welcome back as we head into hour two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. If you'd like to call in, uh, update on the on the race for Speaker of the House. It's been back and forth uh, on the news and what's coming out of the uh, Republican caucus. I was saying earlier that there won't be a third vote uh, for Jim Jordan and that he's not subjecting himself to it. Uh, there are reports saying there will be. Uh, so it seems to be a little bit chaotic over there. Vivek Ramaswamy said about the whole ouster of McCarthy, a little chaos is a good thing. I ask you, is this chaos a good thing? We can't even get get it straight as to whether um, we can't even get it straight as to whether there'll there'll even be a third vote. Nothing has changed with these twenty two who are not willing to vote for Jim Jordan. Newt Gingrich has. Um, said that there is no point in going to the floor unless you have the caucus lined up and enough votes of the caucus to make it clear that you will be speaker. No reason to go back to the House without doing so, and they're nowhere near doing so. The 22, not one of them has changed their mind. So I don't know why they would try a third effort. I don't know why Jim Jordan would advance a third effort knowing he doesn't have those 22 unless he knows that uh, enough of them, really all of them, have peeled off or back. But that's not the case. So um, we're stuck here. The other part was he had a plan to give the Speaker pro tempore um, Kenry more powers, but he has since ditched that plan, too, it appears. So just more chaos, just more chaos. That's what you've got. And no Republican leadership. And uh, Matt Gates was uh, caught uh, was on camera, not caught on camera, but was giving an interview earlier saying, we have uh, we have led a real grassroots uh, anti-establishment revolution here where the corporate interests are no longer in charge. Well, no one's in charge. Um, and I have a hard time believing if it isn't Jim Jordan or someone of his ilk that um, you're going to find someone who isn't uh, a corporate uh, a corporate team player. Uh, there was one point a friend of mine said that Congressman Jack Bergman might be interested in it. Seems like a really good guy. Um, but uh, without a subsequent follow-up to uh, Kevin McCarthy in the planning at the outset, I don't know how Matt Gates can guarantee that this won't be someone who's in the pocket of lobbyists. So it's, by the way, is a shifting narrative as far as I'm concerned. I heard that a little bit, but that was not the chief complaint about Kevin McCarthy. It was that he broke promises that he broke promises such as um such as uh such as he was ma- uh, uh such as he made with regard to individual spending bills uh so we could have had a continuing resolution that cut government 8% we could have had that we could have had hr2 which was a full funding of border security we could have had that all of that has stopped. We now have international crises at, um, at, 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 at I can't remember at a higher or more tender point um, since 9-11. I just can't. Uh, 
with Iran agitating and Syria agitating and the embassy uh, in Lebanon, the American embassy in Beirut uh, under siege. I, I, I just I, and of course the goings on between Israel and Gaza. I, I, I just can't imagine any time since nine eleven when there has been more need for our leadership, our party's leadership. And it's not there. And by the way, you can't appropriate any money or necessary um, defenses uh, without our Speaker of the House. So this was chaos, I think, for chaos and publicity's sake. And just count me as not someone who supports it. Um, McCarthy just wasn't bad enough to throw out for all that. It just wasn't. This is fascinating. We've been trying to get our hands around the um the notion and i am just consumed by it how our campuses could be discovered as such pits of hell when it comes to the anti-semitism they have melded over the past week or so and there's this uh, really important essay at the new york post by tabia lee i was a dei director you know diversity equity and inclusion DEI drives campus anti-Semitism. She writes, The blatant anti-Semitism on college campuses has shocked millions of Americans over the past week and a half. But not me. I saw anti-Semitism on on a weekly basis in my two years as a faculty, diversity, equity, and inclusion director. In fact, I can safely say that the toxic DEI ideology deliberately stokes the hatred we've seen. I was hired to head the DEI department at Silicon Valley's De Anza College in 2021. As a black woman, I was the perfect person for the job on paper, yet I made the mistake of trying to create an authentically inclusive learning environment for everyone, including Jewish students. Turns out, a toxic form of DEI, which is more accurately called critical social justice, demanded I do the opposite. Before I got to campus, Jewish students had endured a litany of hateful and hostile acts. School had posted a Hanukkah party that, excuse me, the school had hosted a Hanukkah party that featured no Hanukkah imagery, but plenty of pro-Palestinian posters. The student body had passed resolutions on on divesting from Israel, the first college of its kind to do so, and criticizing Israel's attacks against humanity. Multiple Jewish students told me the campus was essentially an anti-Semitic environment. I tried to write this wrong. First, I hosted Jewish speakers on campus with the goal of promoting diversity and inclusion by sharing different perspectives. Critics called me a dirty Zionist, and the school refused to promote the events. I then pushed the administration to issue a condemnation of anti-Semitism. My request was refused. Some campus leaders and colleagues repeatedly told me I shouldn't raise issues about Jewish inclusion or anti-Semitism. I was told in no uncertain terms that Jews are quote-unquote white oppressors, and our job as faculty and staff members was to de-center whiteness. I was astounded, but I shouldn't have been. At its worst, DEI is built on the unshakable belief that the world is divided into two groups of people, the oppressors and the oppressed. Jews are categorically placed in the oppressor category, while Israel is branded a genocidal settler colonialist state. In this worldview, criticizing Israel and the Jewish people is not only acceptable but praiseworthy. Just as it's okay to attack America and white people, she writes, if you don't go after them or worse, if you defend them, you're actively abetting racist oppression. 
I've never encountered a more hostile environment toward the members of any racial, ethnic, or religious minority. I was ultimately fired by De Anza College, and I suspect my defense of Jewish students played the part. Yet, I've subsequently found that my experience isn't unique. Countless faculty and students on campuses nationwide have told me DEI ideology encourages anti-Semitism. One study found 96% of Israel-focused tweets by campus DEI staff criticized Israel. And that was before Hamas launched its brutal assault. Now, the colleges and universities beholden to DEI are hurting Jewish students with their silence, their moral equivocation about terrorism against Israel, and their outright praise of the terrorists. Many of the student groups most invested in DEI are actively siding with Hamas. Look no further than White Coats for Black Lives, a national group of medical students with chapters in more than 100 public and private universities. On Tuesday, just days after Hamas murdered Jewish families in their beds, the DEI-driven group proudly declared, quote, it has long supported this kind of struggle for liberation, quote, unquote. How could a Jewish patient ever trust a medical trainee or professional who subscribes to such blatant anti-Semitic hatred? It's it's tantamount to threatening their lives, and it raises questions about whether such hate-filled people should even be allowed to practice medicine. This outpouring of anti-Semitic hatred is the direct result of DEI's insistence that Jews are oppressors. What started with rhetorical attacks has morphed into defending and calling for violent attacks. It's inevitable for an ideology that demeans an entire group of people while accusing them of perpetrating massive injustice. When you stoke that kind of division and anger, you unleash fires you can't control. Sure enough, the fire of anti-Semitism is now burning bright on college campuses. It needs to be extinguished immediately so it doesn't spread and do more damage. I know just the place to start. Administrators and lawmakers need to get toxic DEI out of higher ed. If they don't, there will be no diversity and inclusion on campus, but there will be even more shocking hatred towards Jews. Tabia Lee, EDD, is now a senior fellow at Do No Harm. Okay, well, this is the red-green access all put together right there for you in sharp relief. Good work, progressives. Good work. You've become the bigots. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to welcome uh, someone in the studio studio I've wanted to meet and introduce to this audience, an organization we've talked about, representing an organization we've talked about here before. I want you to get to know a little better. They do great work. The organization is the National Federation of Independent Business, NFIB, and uh, they have an Arizona director here, Chad Heinrich, who is in studio. Welcome to the studio, Chad. It's nice to make your acquaintance in person. Likewise, likewise. Thank you for having me. You betcha. You betcha. I do this with all first-time guests, so take a moment or as long as you want. Give a little autobiography. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, how you came to be doing what you're doing, anything you want to say. Sure. Well, th- thanks. I won't bore, bore the listeners to death, but uh, I'm an import from South Dakota. Uh, oh, really? Whereabouts? Uh, well, I grew East up, River? I, See, you, I know things. You are familiar. No, I grew up in the East River, uh-huh. uh, south of Mitchell, in uh-huh. a little town of about 600 people called Trip, and uh, you know, went to school out there, uh, undergraduate and graduate school, uh, started my career out there in uh, government affairs. 
Um, I was Deputy Secretary of State in South Dakota, so I did uh, serve the state for uh, for a handful of years there. Yeah. And uh, then uh, we got the itch to leave the snowdrift and uh, come out here to the land of sunshine. Yeah. And so that was about 14 years ago, and um, we, we love it out here. Yeah, wonderful. I love it. What, what, where'd you go to school? In University South of South Dakota. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, okay. The flagship university. The flagship of South Dakota. Wonderful. You don't miss the winters. Or, I don't. Or I, the summers. I don't. In fact, one time, Seth, uh, while I was an undergrad, uh, they closed down the university for a couple days because the wind chill was 80 below. 80 below. All right. Yeah. I spent uh, a, a winter Christmas time in South Dakota once. It, I, I know of what you speak. The the permafrost is just <laughs> yes. It's it's very cold there. <laughs> anyway, well, welcome welcome into the studio. Tell the audience a little bit about the National Federation of Independent Business (NFIB) uh, as an acronym. Sure, uh, NFIB National Federation of Independent Business is really uh, the small business voice uh, in every state capital and in Washington D.C. And when I say small business, our members uh, span the gamut from single-person solo businesses all the way up to hundreds, maybe even thousands of of employees. And um, the differentiating point on our membership is that our members are independently owned. So uh, really... Our industries span the gamut. Think of any everything from retail to construction to uh, you know uh, a person and their toolbox and their truck to a cosmetologist, uh, but just not a publicly traded company. So uh, anything that's not publicly traded would be open to our membership. And uh, the kinds of things you activate for on behalf of your members, what kinds of issues are most obviously things that would help promote their business interests, but. Absolutely. Uh, So at the state and federal level, we are looking at primarily tax and regulatory issues uh, that hit small businesses. Um, And, I mean, that's as general as I can get. Uh, In some industries, there's more more issues on taxes or regulation. In some, there's less. But in, in general, from the high level, we'll look at tax and regulatory issues that impact small businesses. And you put out some great reports as well, and I wanted to talk to you about uh, the most recent small business economic trend. But before I do that, uh, the role small businesses play in employment in America, it's still, by and large, far and away, the leading area of employment, right? It's the small business employer, right? By far, by far. Oftentimes, small business owners are the unsung heroes that are driving the economy. Right. Uh, we often see headlines of large companies uh, making an investment in the state, uh, bringing in uh, estimates of hundreds to th- not thousands of jobs. But what we don't see headlines on is in periods of economic growth, it's really the small businesses that are driving that. Uh, one statistic that I that I pulled: um, the small the uh, uh, small business administration's office of advocacy. Uh, researches this and tracks this. And during our last economic growth period um, that started in 2017 through 2019 before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. during that growth period in Arizona, seven of 10 new jobs were created by small businesses. Right. And so that's something that's really important that doesn't get reported a lot because it's not a big number, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One small business adds three jobs. Right. That's not going to make a headline. Right. But 
in total, small businesses are driving this state. Seventy percent of employment. I, I imagine COVID, uh, you know, affected the small business obviously the most. Obviously, I mean, by definition, it would have. Yeah, I don't think anybody would argue with that uh, just by watching the news right. and the and frankly the hand wringing yeah. that small businesses had to go through uh, for all those that are serving individuals yeah. uh, during the pandemic. And FIB was active during that period too. I imagine yes. We, we were very much. Um, one thing that became very valuable to our small business owners was transmitting information on the programs and how to utilize those. So we yeah, bail out type stuff. Yep. We did, we did uh, weekly uh, webinars, yeah. uh, took questions uh, from, from our small businesses. And there are a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in Arizona. We're the largest uh, representative of business interests in the state. Uh, we have nearly 5,000 members in Arizona and a roughly 300,000 uh, around the country. It's fantastic. I'm smiling because I do love it. I come from a part of my background or a part of my previous life. I used to uh, be chief of staff to a, uh, a man you may or may not have heard of named Jack Kemp. And uh, I remember I was at with him at a speech he gave once, and he, he said, I, I cry only on two occasions, Fourth of July and whenever a small business opens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he just loved the entrepreneurial spirit and was so um, energized toward it, which is where I, you know, I kind of learned about um, economics uh, studying under him. I, I didn't, wasn't a big econ student in college myself, but that's right. And the tax code and the way it affects individuals also affects small businesses too and that needs to be discussed i mean a lot of people you know kind of fuse it into their into their small business the way the tax uh, marginal tax rates are, are written yeah yeah so what, one one area and all that yeah exactly one area that we're very focused on is if we turn back the clock just a bit in 2017 uh large uh, tax cuts were, were passed uh, at the federal level. Uh, you may remember them. It was called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Some people called it the Trump Tax mm-hmm. Cuts. But those were very important to small business. Part of that uh, we actually opposed when it was first introduced because they, they uh, proposed to lower the corporate rate, but they did not do anything right. for the small business. remember that. So we lobbied for what's called the small business deduction uh, because small businesses pay their taxes on their individual tax That's return. Right. Right. Um, so if, if Seth has a small business, you file your individual right. return, your under income the, under is, that code. Is, is, right. is under there. Right. And so here's the danger that we have is we were successful back then in uh, getting the 20% small business deduction right off the top of the income to try to find parity with the, the corporate cuts that, that were proposed. Um, and so that's great. However... The corporate cuts are permanent in law. Yeah. The individual yeah, tax I mean, cuts, which hits everybody. Yeah, I've got to fight for those. Those are going to be expiring yeah, right. at the end of 2025. People aren't prepared for this. Chad Heinrich is my guest. We'll take a quick commercial break. We're pro-commercial here, like you are. Uh, Chad Heinrich is my guest. He is the state director of the NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business. NFIB.org would be the website. Yes, sir? He and I will be right Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. New guest in studio with me for a few segments here. He's Chad Heinrich. He is the state director of the National Federation of Independent Business, NFIB.org. Um, and, I mean, we haven't talked about econo- economic policy in a long time, and I want to get to some of your reports and all that. I just wanted to do one more quick thing, if I could, with you, as long as we're talking about tax 
tax rates in the tax code. Um, I was noticing that um, that uh, the head of the Federal Reserve was giving a, a talk today at the New York Economic Club, and when I thought of that, I remember that's where John Kennedy gave his famous 1962 speech where he said it is a paradoxical truth that tax rates are too high, tax rates are too low, and the soundest way to raise the revenue in the long run is to cut the rates now. It's still true. I mean, it is still true, isn't it, that the, lower, the, the paradoxical truth is the lower the marginal tax rate, the greater the revenue receipts, right? And, I mean, that's the only way I think we're going to – I'm speaking, but it's in the form of a question, Chad, for whatever you want to say, and feel free to disagree with me. It's the only way I think – we're going to be able to tackle anything like the deficit and debt we have now is through pro-growth policies using a lot of our, I mean, a lot of other things, but primarily our tax code. Uh, I would agree personally, uh, for sure. And I think history bears that out. Uh, you had the tax cuts during the Kennedy uh, Kennedy administration, right. uh, John F. Kennedy's administration. You had tax cuts uh, during the Reagan administration right. and the tax cuts during the Trump administration. Right. Right. All of those paid for themselves right. and then more right. because the economy grew right. uh, leaps and bounds follow, following those those rate reductions. Good. Uh, I, 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 I just I, – we don't talk about that much anymore. I don't know why. Why is that con- – am, am I missing this conversation? Well, I Is it because of the president in office is just so opposed to it it's a non-starter? I, we used to hear these conversations a lot more, it seems to me. I'm not sure, but uh, some folks, I think – view the easy way out is raising taxes. Well, we need money to do X, Y, Z, so we'll raise taxes. But like you had mentioned, the long-term, the long-term growth and actually the long-term revenue is is best secured by a low, more flat tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not NFIB's opinion. That's my opinion. I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, regulatory reform, too, must be a big part of what you're interested in as well. It, it very much is, and I often tell folks from the state from the state perspective, uh, you know, on taxes, we have uh, some pretty good protections in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nineteen ninety-two uh, Prop One Hundred Eight mm-hmm. uh, basically requires that the legislature vote in two-thirds majority to raise taxes, right. and then, as you remember, in shor- shortly ago in twenty twenty-two, the voters said that any ballot measure that increases taxes requires 60%. So from the tax perspective at the state level, we've got some good guardrails there. However, regulatory is not as much. Yeah, okay. Uh, And so that's why we're very concerned uh, when we look at uh, regulations at the state level. We have a new administration. We're not not sure what's going to happen there. But that's something we have to pay very close attention to because we do have fewer guardrails as citizens, as business owners on the regulatory side. Good. Well put. How did we do during this past uh, legislative session, by the way? So one thing about divided government, with a Democrat in the governor's office, Republicans running the legislature, is uh, we didn't do super great and we didn't do super bad, okay. right? Um, so we had uh, some wins. Little Goldilocks nice effect there. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and no big losses. <laughs> okay. um, on the regulatory side, uh, really relates to the local governments, um, NFIB was supportive of a, a bill that actually Goldwater uh, – Came, uh, came forward with, and uh, Representative Tra- Travis Grantham mm-hmm. sponsored, uh, which was dubbed the uh, Permit Freedom uh, Act. Okay, and um, that actually just put in place criteria, deadlines, and really 
relief through the court system in the case of an individual applying for a permit pretty much of any kind at the local level and and there being a delay there so it provide those clear criteria and some and and having to have a deadline on themselves for local government uh was a good thing. So that was a that was a good bill that we that we saw pass and and be signed by by the governor. So we're thankful for that. Let me take a quick one more commercial break and come back. We'll talk a little bit more uh Chad and I want to get to the small business economic trends that your uh, organization has put out. Chad Heinrich is from NFIB. NFIB Dot com is the best website for him, and uh, he and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Chad Heinrich is my guest. He is, uh, among other things, he is the state director of the uh, Arizona chapter of the National Federation of Independent Business, NFIB.com is uh, the best website for them. They're involved on all kinds of advocacy and help for their members uh, who are small business, primarily small business uh, owners and operators. Everything um, from taxes to health care to labor to regulations, competitiveness and that sort of thing. But you also put out a report, kind of an economic trends or conditions report, Chad. Tell us a little bit about that and what we know. Sure, Seth. Uh, so, a lot of folks will probably be familiar when they hear of the NFIB jobs report. Um, it's t- it's called the Business Trends Report, but um, if you're watching CNBC or any of the uh, any of the news programs on finances, once a month, uh, and we've done this for I think since the early '70s, mm-hmm. uh, we've asked the same set of questions of our of our members, and I always say this is kind of like the canary in the coal mine type of a survey because. You're hearing about business issues from directly from small business owners on a regular basis, and so we have we have these trends uh, to to report on every month and to watch. And so it's typically, in my mind, it's a leading indicator uh, on the economy. Okay. Um, where uh, where are they hiring? Are they not finding people they need? Those types of issues are covered in this in a standard set of questions every month. Fantastic. Okay. And so what is what if I were to check in on our economic condition, what is it? Well, um, one one area that everyone will be familiar with is uh, the lack of qualified employees. Yeah. Um, most of our business owners, when they're is that looking, their chief complaint right now, it, it, it has been for several months. Uh, inflation and employees have, have kind of tag teamed back and forth mm-hmm. as being the top issue on that monthly survey. Well, what's the fix to that? I mean, I'll tell you from the sociological perspective, I've seen a real problem with uh, working age, eligible working age men that are taking themselves out of the workforce. This is a big issue for me. Uh, not personally, it's a big issue I care a lot about and talk a lot about. But how do you, how do you fix that problem, qualified employees? Well, I think that's a multi, multi-layered issue. Uh, some, of the, some of the concern... Uh, is uh, for the minimum wage. Yeah. Um, we have a fairly high minimum wage. Yeah. As you know, ours is tied to inflation, right. so uh, that I think went up by about a buck an hour this year. And so that prevents small business owners from hiring unexperienced youth for right. the most part. Right. So if you look at the youth unemployment rate, it's like 20%. It's mm-hmm. really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've actually advocated for legislation uh, in, the, in, the, in the state legislature that would allow for a youth wage. Ah. Um, it's not successful. There's some, con- uh, there's some conflicts there with existing law um, from, our, from the ballot measure that set the minimum wage. So we're not successful there. So that was one approach. Um, 
but it is it is a big problem. How do you solve that? Uh, are people going to be living long? Uh, they are living longer. Are they going to be working longer? That that could be that could be a solution as well. Mm-hmm. Um, w- talk to me about things that are not good legislation. You know, sometimes the best thing <laughs> is to. Uh, the best advice is not uh, just to stand there and um, and do something. Sometimes the best advice is to uh, actually just stand there and not do something. So talk to me a little bit about bad legislation. Yeah, don't don't do something. Yeah. Just stand there. Yeah, and I think I think part of the view of a legislator is occasionally when they become elected, they realize remember that back when I wasn't elected, I used to say. There ought to be a law against or in support of or whatever the issue might be. Okay. And um, sometimes I think when, when uh, that, you, there ought to be a law, it's a terrible phrase. When you right? Beco- yeah. When you become a legislator yeah. and you hear that phrase, yeah. then you have an easy way to solve that, and yeah. you can introduce legislation. Yeah. And so, of course, leg- the legislature, uh, the the area where we debate ideas, um, we have good bills and we have bad bills. And occasionally, there's uh, there are a lot of bad bills that we have to fight. Yeah. Not occasionally, yeah. most of the time, most of um, we're fighting bad bills. And most of the time, that comes down to mandates mm-hmm. that impact the cost drivers of doing business. Okay. So it might be a minimum wage increase mm-hmm. that could be so- that could be something, or it could be a regulation that they're trying to that that they want to put on place that will put uh higher costs or take a lot of time to comply with mm-hmm. those types of things but one thing that we've studied uh since 1986 has been what are the top problems that yeah. businesses have oh, uh, this is separate from our monthly yeah. survey yeah. uh it's one that's done every 4 years and since 1986 business owners have said health care coverage costs yeah. are the top concern of my business yeah. About half, we just, in March, we finished another specific survey on health care. Half of our small business owners offer it as a benefit. The other half don't, but aspire to. Mm -hmm. And the main reason that they don't is because of the cost. They simply can't afford it. We're competing against Walmart. We're competing against large businesses that offer benefits. So when we're at the state capitol and we see mandates being placed on the health care industry, we pay attention yeah. because if those are going to drive costs up, you know that's ultimately going to increase the cost on small business. Of course, of course. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate, really appreciate being here. David, yeah. I'm going to break here. I lost my – no, I have another – oh, I have two more. I have two, a couple more minutes. Good. No, I don't have to just – you don't have to leave just yet, Chad. That's uh, anything I haven't brought up. Tell me a little bit about uh, how how our, how our legislators are doing uh, representing us nationally. I know uh, that we're an interesting state. We have two Democratic senators, but uh, there's an interesting election year coming up. I'm guessing sometimes they – Vote against prediction. Yeah, so so (laughs) very very quickly. The nice thing about NFIB is we are very transparent on how we judge our elected officials. They're voted. They're they're judged by their voting record, and so we call what we call what we call that as a key vote. Mm -hmm. We announce it before the vote, so the legislators and the lawmakers know what we're what we're judging them against. We had a key vote yesterday in the United States Senate on a fairly obscure uh, uh, issue related to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. 
uh, which has to do with paperwork and and overregulation oh, yeah, of no, businesses. Oh, I hear about it. Yeah. And uh, I'm proud to I'm, I'm I'm actually proud to report that Senator Cinema voted with small business yesterday. Right. So I want to publicly thank her for good. that vote, and uh, we appreciate uh, her support. Good, 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 good. Uh, did Kelly? No, we our, our delegation split split on that okay. vote. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are, are they? Um, and I, sus- I suspect uh, the the bulk of our congressional majority would obviously often vote with you. I would imagine um, for the most for the yeah, most part. For the most part. Uh, but again, nfib.com yeah. voting records are posted. Good. Um, and we will make we make those available online prior to every election. So uh, if anybody wants to research how their how their elected officials vote, it's available. Good. Thank you, Chad. Really appreciate you stopping by and and, uh, talking to us about this. We just haven't had these discussions in a long time. Perhaps some of it is my fault, but uh, I look forward to doing more work with you. Likewise. Yeah, thanks for having me. You betcha. Again, NFIB.com, folks, National Federation of Independent Business. Our guest has been Chad Heinrich. I didn't spell your name, H-E-I-N-R-I-C-H. I often have to spell last names because... I myself don't have a self-evidently easily spelled one. (laughs) Thank you, Chad. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y Refi Active here in the community, headquartered here locally as well, with uh, bank failures and the stock market's volatility, recession talk, and inflation. They have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises, you can um, turn your monthly income on or off. You can p- compound it, whatever you like. And think of this freedom. There's no penalty and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. They are a due diligence approved firm. And you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call them at 888-Y-REFI-24. You know, we're going to be co-sponsoring with NBC the next presidential debate uh, early next month. And we'll have a special coverage here through Salem. But Salem is is partnering uh, with NBC. Uh, of course, CNN is having conniptions over this. Uh, their media reporter warned uh, CNN, his network, that... Um, they sh- that NBC should not be partnering with such extremist organizations as Salem Media. I'll put our extremism up against CNN's any day of the week, any hour of the day. My God. Cancel culture that the media goes into. They tried. This is what they did to the New York Post. The, the media tried to censor and successfully did censor the New York Post when it was inconvenient. And now they're trying to keep us from partnering in a Republican presidential debate or keep NBC from partnering with us. You know what? I I mean, we really need to have a better... Abraham Lincoln, how did he put it in his uh, sanitary fair speech? He said, uh, the world does not have a good definition of the word liberty and and is just now in great need of one. We don't have a good definition of extremism, and we are just now in great need of one. The... Polling that has most recently come out shows that uh, a majority of Americans believe the Democratic Party is more extreme than the Republican Party. Um, 
it would be interesting if someone would conduct a poll over um, media outlets. Um, it's probably very difficult to do because of so many preconceived notions. But you know what, CNN? You're not the news network anymore. You just haven't been for a long time. You're an opinion network. And I think your opinions are extreme. So there. See how that works? You can call it. I can call it. We'll do an objective definition one of these days. Um, extremism in the defense of liberty is not extremism in the defense of extremism. Keep that in mind, too. Sam Stone coming up. We'll be right back. 